whom I uphold, by the way, this is God the Father speaking, behold my servant who I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking, the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Verse 5 Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spreadeth forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and the Spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thy hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to great an image. Behold, the former things that have come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Would you pray with me, please? Would you thank us, the Lord, that the blessed word, Lord? You know that I'm preaching. <laughs> I told you this earlier, I'll tell you again, I'm telling for these people. I'm preaching this to me. I need this, I need this word from you. You promise justice, Lord. You bring justice. You help us to find our justice in the cross. Help me to convey that truth. Help me to share with these people the, 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 the absolute relief that it is that we can find justice in you. Help us to trust you. Not try to get it for ourselves. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You all can be seated. I like some weird things. <laughs> and one of the weird things that I like is the car that I used to have. Can I tell you about my car? Now, y'all may not be impressed with this. In fact, I guarantee you're not going to be impressed with this. But I'm just going to tell you, I like this. I love this car. It was a 2006 Chevrolet Aveo. Now, if y'all don't know what an Aveo is, it is a Korean Daewoo that they put the little Chevrolet bow tie on. That's all it is. Just a Korean little car with the little thing on. I love that car. By the, time, by the time of the story I'm about to tell you about happened, it had 230,000 miles on it. It had, still had, when I bought it, I picked it out like this. It had manual windows, manual locks. It had, it had a five-speed transmission. I could zipper in that thing like it was a go kart. I loved that car. My kids called it my egg car because it was shaped kind of like a big old egg with wheels on it. It's ugly. I don't, I don't think they're very pretty at all, but I like that car. You know what I like about it? I could put tires on it for cheap as I don't know what. I love that. I don't think I ever had a major problem except the transmission, or rather not transmission, but the uh, 
the bus that my, my son ripped out, rather Matthew ripped out, trying to teach his son how to drive the manual. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But that's the only major problem I had with the thing. That's the only major problem I had with the thing. Loved it. Well, happened as it was that my son Harrison, my little son, he was at Appalachian State University at the time, and he tore up one of his other cars because he's a monster when it comes to tearing up cars. I've bought so many cars for that boy. I'm done. He's married now. He's on his own. Not mine anymore. But anyway, he tore up a car, and it's like, it grieved me. But I was like, okay, here's my Aveo. Take care of it, please. Take care of my Aveo. Don't mix this good. It's paid off, y'all. It's paid off. It's, I don't owe anything on it. I, didn't have to, I, I owned it for a long time without owing anything on it. So don't, don't mess my car up. Don't mess it up. And he had it for a little bit, and, and we just kept giving it to him. And me and Vanessa had worked out. It was one of those weekends where we kind of worked everything out. We were going to go off for the weekend. Just us. We got all the kids, take where they were going to go. And I remember calling up Harrison. We gave him that car, and I said, Harrison, we're going off for the weekend. Don't have a wreck. Just don't bother us. Don't call us unless you have a wreck and don't have a wreck because we're going to be away. Those last words. Monday morning, we get a call. I've been in an accident. Oh, no. <laughs> well, the good news was there's nothing wrong with Harrison. He's fine. Some girl hitting from behind. She's looking at her cell phone, as people do. And um, he's fine. But it totaled out my little Chevrolet of AA. It wasn't his fault, so I couldn't get mad at my son. I'd get mad at him about all kinds of stuff, but I couldn't get mad at him about this one. It wasn't his fault. It's my son's fault. Uh, we had insurance on it, of course, or rather, the other person had insurance, of course, and, um, and I had the basic insurance because I'm cheap. I had basic insurance on this thing. So basically, I only had whatever the insurance company for other people gave me. And I don't know if you ever dealt with insurance company. Apologies to anybody who's an insurance agent here, but. Um, that ain't looking out for you, I'm telling you. That ain't looking out for you. Just tell you, that's how that works. Anyhow, um, they offered me some cash settlement because that's what they do. You know, it's total. They'll give you this for it, whatever. There's some formula for it. I negotiated with them. I think I got an extra 50 bucks from them. I mean, it's about all I got out of them. But they wouldn't give me but so much. And, um, I could do anything I wanted to do. I remember one time, at one point in this whole process, I remember telling the next like, that's not enough. It, it wasn't. It was barely enough to put a down payment on a reasonably similar car. I mean, it was really not that much. And I remember telling them, I said, I just want to take your money. And as I was thinking about it, yeah, who's that hurt? I'm not taking your money. I mean, what am I doing? But I just remember, I, I, I just was, I was grieving over this thing. There was literally nothing I could do. It was, it was an injustice. I was robbed of my little car that I loved so much. And the more I tried to fix it, the more frustrated I could I would get. Ultimately I did take their money. They took my car. I now drive a twenty ten uh Vio five speed manual. Just have windows that I can push a button and make it down. Anyway, I digress. The point was I felt helpless at that at that moment. I really did. Um, it, it, it wouldn't be the last time I felt helpless. And that is a very small injustice. I want to at least acknowledge to you that's a silly, silly, silly thing. It's hard. 
My son is okay. I get that. I understand. And it's a very small injustice compared to the very real injustices that are chased around the world, even as we speak. I mean, I can think of one that I know you all know about. You see it on the news all the time. There's a country that, as far as I can tell, I'm not on the inside of all this stuff, but as far as I can tell, it's peaceful. It won't bother anybody. And then a fellow comes in, crosses their border, cracks them, takes their land, kills their people, destroys their cities. That's, in, that's not just. I can't think of it any way that's just. And that's just the latest example. Some of you have very small examples in your own, not so small, but I mean, like individual personal examples in your own life are big, obviously, where things have happened to you that were beyond your control. It was somebody else's fault. They were in the wrong, and there's not any justice for it. But if I've learned anything about the injustice, and by the way, that car is just simply the small, silly example. I've had some injustices happen to me and my family. If I've learned anything about those things, the harder I work, them. The more I trust other people and even the system that's supposed to help me fix those problems, the more frustrated, the more angry I get. But there is one who has been promised who shall bring forth judgment, who will give justice to this world. He is the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 42. And this servant, if you look at me in verse 1, he is going to first of all bring to us divine justice. Look at me in verse 1. This is God speaking. He says, Behold, my servant. God claims this servant. This servant is doing God's work in a very real way. He's doing exactly what God wants him to do. This is God's servant, whom I uphold, mine elect. God chose this one. This is one that is not simply volunteering for the task. We know that our Savior Jesus Christ absolutely did everything of his own volition, but it wasn't merely the fact that there was one random and said, yep, I'll do it. No, this is one that the Father wanted to do this work. This was God's elect. He says there, in whom my soul delighted. He made God happy. God is happy about what he was doing. He was delighted in it. And then he goes on and says, I have put my spirit upon him. We know that the power of, of the, the suffering servant that is spoken here, what he is doing, he is doing in the power of the spirit of God. He is doing it in that spirit. I've already told you this, but I want to make sure I emphasize, I want to give you some proof in Scripture, that this servant is indeed Jesus Christ. I point you to, I can point to several places for me for the sake of time, I'll give you one. Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew chapter 3, in verses 16 and 17, at the end of the scene, there's a scene in which Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And John, John baptized him, and as Jesus is coming out of that water, as that is happening in verses 16 and 17, it says that the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
Now, y'all are listening to what I'm saying. That matches way too perfectly to what Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1 says, that it is God's choice, God is happy with him, and his spirit is upon him. That is who we're talking about. But I'm simply trying to get you to see that this person that is operating, this is this Savior, this Jesus that I'm talking about, he is delivering justice, but he is not just giving justice that you want or that I want. He is doing the justice that God wants. Jesus is not on your side or my side. He's not on the good guys or the bad guys' side. You know whose side he's on? He's on God's side. He is the one that he does what is right. He's not representing one party over another. He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He is God. He is the self-sustaining one. He doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your input. He doesn't have to come to you and consult you about what's right or wrong. But we're in this Ukraine situation. There's all kinds of debates about what's the right thing to do and how are we going to do this? And we've got 10 or 12 countries coming here and trying to figure this thing out. I don't pretend to know the answer, but I'm telling you, my God doesn't need to consult them to know which way's right. He knows exactly which way is right. He knows exactly the right thing. He is the Almighty God. He's the one with all the power. Here is, this is the divine justice. He's not sitting there saying, well, this is what we ought to do. Now let me go get some people that will implement it. No, he's the God who can do it. He's the God who can determine it, and he can do it. He can do both of those things. And he's sovereign. Let me make sure you understand this word sovereign. Sovereign certainly means that he has the power. He's over it. He's in control of these things. He's the one calling shots, as it were. But you know one of the other suggestions of the word sovereign? Sovereign idea of a king, someone who's in charge, someone who's in, in authority. You know what that means? He's got the right to do it. He's not just calling the shots because he's the biggest and the baddest in the room. He's calling the shots because he is God. He is his. He owns it. He is his. And he can do what he wants to do. And I want you to understand that when Jesus delivers justice, he is not delivering what I want. He's not delivering what you want. He's not delivering what somebody else thinks. He's not sitting back and weighing the evidence. He is delivering ultimate justice according to his rules that he set before the foundation of the world. He's delivering on that. We can have differences of opinion, and I guarantee if we talk long enough, we will. Guarantee it. We can have differences of opinion about what to do in this situation. Who is right in that situation? All that. We can have those differences of opinion. But I want you to know that my God does not need anybody's opinion. He knows what's right because he was the very definition of right. And he is coming to implement that justice for all. He delivers divine justice. But he also delivers universal justice. I want you to see this at the end of verse 42. He says that he shall bring forth judgment unto the Gentiles. Now, the justice to the Gentiles, and the judgment to the Gentiles that he is bringing here, he is pointing out the fact that he is bringing this to all of the nations. All of the nations. It's not, when he uses the word Gentiles, he's talking about the, the Gentiles as opposed to Israel, God's people. So he's essentially making this point that this is for all people. Understand that in this passage, and really all of Isaiah, there's a, a message that's being delivered to God's people, Israel. That's the context here. He spoke speaking to his own chosen people. And please understand this, that God's reign, God's uh, authority in his oversight is over his own people. He, as the Bible says, judgment begins at the house of God. 
God starts, just like, just like with my children. I, I raise my children. I, 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 I correct my children. I am responsible for my children. I'm not going around everybody's house and doing that. It's, you better hope I don't do that because we might have different ways of doing things. But the point is, I'm responsible for my house, and God does that. He takes care of His own house. He does that. But His power is not limited to the borders of any nation or country or people. Peter says, First Peter chapter four verse seventeen, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. It starts there, but the rest of that verse says. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? The point is that God starts with His people; He gives His people right, but He's not limited to that. That the Gentiles, the nations, the pagans, the others in the world are also subject to God's justice. The whole point of telling you that, try to give you some application for this. If you're sitting there listening to me, if you need to understand this on both sides of the fence, I don't know which side of the fence you're on. I would argue you're probably on both sides at the same time. Try that one on. Let's put some here. God brings justice to all people, even people who have been harmed and people who harmed. He brings justice to all people, people who look good and people who don't look good. He brings justice to all people, people with money and people without money. He brings justice to all people, people who are, who are nice people and people who are mean people. He brings justice to all people, people who have power and people who are powerless. He brings justice to all. There is no escaping his power. There is no special class. Can I just step into my opinion for just a second? Please understand, I'm, I'm acknowledging putting some brackets around my opinion, and we'll go back to the Word of God. But take my opinion for hopefully some helpful illumination here. My, it is my opinion that in this nation, I love America, I really do, but in this nation, just like every nation in the world, I think that we are a corrupt system that is driven by people who have money and position and power and status. It's my opinion. You can agree with me or not agree with me, that's fine. Just tell me that's not in the Bible, nowhere else it's Matthew's thoughts. Just so you know. Alright, that's my opinion. But I can tell you from the back, in parentheses, go back to the scripture, if I'm right, those people with power, money, status, position, they don't escape the justice that God has. I can sit here and I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to level with you. I don't know if it's coming through or not, but I want y'all to know that I'm sitting here and I am flaming mad on the inside about some injustice that I'm seeing in my, in my own little world. And I believe it's people with power and money and status and things like that. And I can sit here and say, poor, poor pitiful me because I ain't got power and money and status. But those people, if I'm right, if they're wrong, you understand that? If they're wrong, God says, I don't care how much money they got. I don't care who they know. I don't care where they sit. I don't care who thinks they're good. I don't care. They are against me. I will bring justice. That makes me go, yippee, just a little bit on the inside. And maybe I'm lost. <laughs> but I'm telling you the truth. That makes me go, yes. He's going to bring justice to everyone. You can't escape his power. But also, by the other extreme of that, can I just go ahead and tell you in that same idea that his justice is universal? You can't escape his protection either. 
That means you may say, well, I got this. Poor, poor person me. I ain't got no power. I got no money. I got no status. I got no position. Jesus works in lost causes. He protects the innocent. He looks out for those that are on the wrong side of those people in power who are abusing their, their power and their authority. He looks out for them. He brings justice. You can't be too low. You can't be too, too poor. You can't be too far away. You can't be too down and out. You can't be. Because that's the kind of people, as he says, who gives grace to the humble. That's the kind of people that Jesus works for. You, you can't be too far away. So this universal, right, this justice is universal in its scope. It gives it to everyone. It is, it is absolutely available to us. But this servant who's coming, uh, let's just go back and look at it. He, he doesn't, look at what he does here. He, 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 he doesn't cry. He doesn't lift up or cause his voice to be heard in the street. He, he's not coming with He's not coming with swagger. You know what? Jesus doesn't come with swagger. <laughs> I gotta quit doing this, but let me do one more. I got a little, little personal opinion. I am sick and tired of people with going around acting like they, they, they get the chest all puffed out like they are somebody. But when the rough times come on and hit, when reality hits, when the real problems show up, you ain't find them for nothing. I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it. I'm absolutely tired of it. I'm tired of people coming up to me and saying, well, if I knew the name of that fellow that did that thing, you'd believe I'd be able to rough him up. I'm like, well, that's good. And when the name comes out and the details of what he did comes out, You can't see him doing nothing. First of all, they ain't roughing nobody up. In fact, that same fellow, they probably got their arms swung around and saying, he's a good old boy, he didn't mean it. Hang on a minute, y'all. What's wrong with this? What we got is a bunch of swagger, a bunch of people who've got a lot of sin to say, and we walk around like we are somebody, so we ain't got nothing. But look at what the servant does. He doesn't cry or lift up his voice. It says, a bruised reed shall he not break. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a little, there's a, there's a grass, a piece of grass is standing up tall, and it's already kind of leaning over a little bit. All you got to do is, and it'll break. And he goes by so gentle, you can't even make that thing break. He says that there's a smoking flax, that, 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 that there's a, it's just kind of like a, a wick on a, you know, you see a wick on a candle and it's, it's already out, but it's just little bitty, little smoky stuff coming on you I'm talking about right there. He said, all you gotta do is just like, touch it in the towel. He said, he's so general, he's not even putting that kind of thing. He's just, he's not making a stand. He's not raising a ruckus. He's not hooping and hollering. He's not stomping and snorting. He's not doing anything that is out of the way. What we don't see from this servant is fire and fury. What we do see is action. Look what he says there in verse 4. He says, He shall bring forth judgment unto truth because Jesus delivers legitimate justice. Legitimate justice. He leaves out justice. He does not leave any doubt as to what was right and what was wrong. He is avenging the victim. He is avenging them. He is judging the wrongdoer. He is absolutely coming into the situation and saying, well, that's wrong. I'm leaving out justice. You were hurt. I'm protecting you. That's what he does. He doesn't come in uh, just snorting and hollering like I'm doing right now. He doesn't do any of that. 
He comes in and he just does what he's supposed to do. He gives legitimate justice. Just to illustrate this, sometimes you see this, and I'm speaking of no way in this sanctuary at all, so I better pursue this for anyway. But, um, uh, you ever, uh, I know some people in, in, my, in, my, in my circles, how's that? Who, uh, they're, 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 they've got children, and that child does something. They have to do some little infraction, a little out of the way thing. And mama or daddy, Turns into super mom, super dad. What the hell are you doing? You're going to just like give them down the road for that because everybody's watching. But the way they, you know, because I've been in the situation, you know, they're at home. Mom and dad are just half ignored and not paying attention to anything they're doing. What they're doing is they're just bluster of what's going on. Because they want people to look at them and say, oh, that's a good mama, that's a good daddy. They don't let their kids get away with nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just about that noise. It's just about the bluster. It's induced, it's not trying to boost his reputation. He's not trying to raise a ruckus. He's coming to bring real justice. That's what he's doing. And he's not trying to do it. He's coming to do it. He's come to bring assured justice. You see this in verse 4. He shall not fail nor be discouraged, for he will set judgment in the earth. There are going to be obstacles to his justice. There are going to be things that get in the way. And sometimes from us looking on the outside, looking in, it looks like there will be no justice to be served. But he's not going to fail. He's going to fail. There are going to be setbacks. Sometimes it feels like you're taking three steps forward towards the justice that you think needs to happen. And then what happens? You get four steps back. It looks like, oh my goodness, we're not. We're making backwards progress on this thing. But I want you to know that this servant, Jesus, he's not going to be discouraged in his work. It may take some time. Can I just promise you one thing? This makes me happy too. Time is on the side of our Savior. He has eternity in his hand. Some of us are worried about our next court date. Some of us are worried about our next job deadline. Some of us are worried about our next whatever the thing is. Jesus, he's not worried about anything, first of all. And second of all, it's all in his hand. I'm telling you that to say that he's going to bring justice. It may take some time. You might not even see it in this life. But I promise you, I promise you, the Lord promises you, the Word promises you that there will come a justice. That justice is assured. It is absolutely, positively assured. It even says there at the end that the aisles shall wait for His law. The whole world, the creation, is, is yearning for this promise to come through. And I think anyone who's in here, if, you're, if you've ever had anybody slight you in the slightest way, but I would guarantee you, just the size of a crowd this size, there's probably more than a handful of you that have felt real injustices. People have done real wrongs against you. And I can tell you, you're just like this world, the creation groaning for the promise, the earnest expectation 
creation as a creature, Paul writes in Romans 8, is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. The whole earth groaneth and travaileth. It's all this world just wants something to come. And I want you to know that there's a lot wrong, and there are plenty of promises. There are politicians who will sell you whatever they got to sell you so that you'll vote them in. There are people trying to sell you a load of I don't know what, as long as you'll buy it, they'll tell you what you want to tell, what you want to hear. And there are even preachers who will stand in pulpits and they will tell you what they want you to hear so that you will do something, maybe give money or get excited or do whatever it is, work you up into a frenzy. But nothing in this world will give you what you need. The only one who can and the only one who will bring about assured justice who will right every wrong is Jesus Christ. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Those are not empty threats. Jesus does not have his chest puffed out like I was talking about those other fellows talking about. Oh, you just let me out of it. No, no, no. Jesus ain't talking like that. He just says, it's mine. I'll take care of it. It may take me a minute. may need a wait. But it's coming. It is assured. Absolutely assured. I've got to hurry along here, but I've got to, I've got to, to close out this thought with these last few verses in chapter 42, from verse 5 to verse 9. I simply say this, let me put the headstone on it if I can. Jesus delivers justice, and because he delivers justice, not that you can trust him, you can trust him, but you must trust him. You hear that? You can. He's trustworthy, but you must. Because if you want justice, it's not coming through anybody else but him. Look at the verse 5. This is God sort of reasserting who he is. He says, Thus saith God the Lord. And then he goes on and describes who he is. So we've got to make sure we don't forget who it is that's talking here. This is the Lord, Yahweh. This is his covenant name. This is the name that he uses to say, this is how I sign the paperwork between me and my people. He's saying, I want you to know that this name means I've got a relationship with y'all. That's what he's saying by using God, the Lord. In my, my version of the Bible there, the Lord is all capital letters, and that's simply a signal to us that that is that name, the name, the holy name of God. That's what that is. He's saying that he created the heavens. He created it. Everything in this world was designed by God. It started up here in God's mind, and he exhibited it through his power of his word. He pulled it out. And then he spread forth the earth. If you know anything, if there's any reality in your world, the world that you call your world, the things that you know, the shape of things, the feel of things, the smell of things, the taste of things, the way things feel to you and you think about it, all of those things, come. He made it. He made it. You, he made it. He says that he gave or rather, he gave breath to the people. He gave us existence in life. And he gave his spirit to the people. He gave us eternal existence. And despite the wickedness, and despite the suffering in the world, what God did in verses 6 and 7, he says that I, the Lord, have called thee, speaking to that suffering servant, in righteousness, and will hold thy hand and will keep thee. He says, I'm sending my servant into the world. That's the God who's doing that. He loves us. And what he's doing in verse, in verse 6, he says, I give thee for a covenant of the people. He says, I am renewing my promise to this world. 
God loves me. I don't think you even understand. I don't think I even understand fully what that all means. But you know what He loves me so much? He loves me so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's sending Jesus to say, listen, I am the God of the universe. We have a relationship. I made you. I love you. And I know things are terrible, but I'm sending my son to remind you how much I love you. He's also saying, continue on in verse 6, he says, for a light to the, of the Gentiles. He said, I'm sending my, my son as a guiding light into this world, into this dark world. John writes in John 1, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Same thing to bear witness. Same thing for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but he sent to bear witness of that light. That light, the one he's talking about, was the true light, which lighted every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God. So what the Father was done is says, I love y'all. I made you, you're mine. I'm sending my son into this world so you have to have a way back to me. I'm going to give you a way to come back to me, the way, the truth, the life, back to the Father. He says in verse 7, he's going to open blinded eyes. He is the mender of broken wounds, that are the mender of sin's wounds. Those wounds that sin has caused made us that we can't even see and understand. That's how deceptive sin is. It actually dulls us to how, how terrible and how stupid what we are doing is. It makes us think that what we're doing is good. Like the, the drug addict who thinks, I can drive better. I can take care of my kids better when I'm high. You, you and I who are not, we're sober, we say, hey, what are you talking about, man? Why? Because the sin has blinded them. And we're talking about a drug addict there, but your sin has blinded you too. To think that lie is not as bad as it is. Because to think that, that, that way you're acting is not as bad as it is. But that the way that your mouth is being used to hurt and undermine and hurt people and cut people is not as bad as it is. That it's not as bad, sir, that, that, that pornography that you indulge in is not as bad as you think it is. It, all of these things, what sin does is it numbs us and it dulls us, but Jesus comes in and he mends those wounds. He allows us to see what's wrong and what's right. He gives us that. And he goes on to say that he's going to bring the prisoners out of prison. He is a breaker of the bondage of sin. He takes us from, and that's what that's what he sent us. It plants us down. It makes us feel like this is the only hope that we have, the only way we can go. But what he's saying is, no, 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 no. Jesus is going to come in. He's going to open your eyes. And he's going to free you from that sin. But you're no longer a slave to that sin any longer. And God says in verses 8 and 9, he simply says that it's his own name and his own glory that's at stake here. All I'm trying to get you to see, and I'm going to close here. I've got to wrap this up. There's only two perspectives I want to give you. I'm going to close this. is my invitation to you, so just try to follow this if you can. There's two perspectives I want to give you on this. I want you to take from this. First, there's a big picture view. There have been and will always be injustice in this world, and we should oppose that just injustice. Abuse, abortion, slavery, predators, predators liars, manipulators, Cheaters, thieves, bullies, and the list could go on. But we have to see that all of those injustices have been avenged in the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay? 
you may say, well, that doesn't help me much because this person did this thing to me. Thank God that your sin was paid for in the cross of Christ. I know sometimes we don't think our, 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 I know that we just don't think we smell all that bad. We stink to high heaven. We need a Savior to take care of our sins. Don't ever forget that. Right of Hebrews says, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Remember Abel, his brother, Cain, killed him? So his blood cried out. Y'all remember this? You know what his blood was crying out for? The vengeance. Somebody killed this man, and he was innocent. Jesus' blood cries out something better. Not vengeance. You know what it cries out? Forgiveness. I'm glad that my injustice that I have caused to so many other people, and I guarantee you I've caused it. I might even have caused it to some of you unknowingly. And I want to say, if, I, if you ever bring it to my attention, I'll do the best I can to correct it. But I'm telling you, I guarantee you I have hurt people. I guarantee you, you have too. And I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus calls out something better than angels. And that is forgiveness. And because of Jesus, I can be forgiven. And this is a hard pill to swallow because I'm not there yet. I'm just telling you, I know I like to preach what I'm trying to practice, but I'm working on this one. Because the blood of Jesus forgives, I can too forgive those who do injustice against me. That's hard. I'm not, I'm not giving you an out, but that's an easy thing. I'm, I will not lie to you. That's hard. If you try it, you know it's hard. That's the first perspective, the big picture. The second perspective is a very personal point of view. There are some real hurt that some of you are dealing with in this room. Some of you have been abused, physically or emotionally. Some of you have been the victim of a miscarriage of justice by our justice system. Some of you have been discriminated against. Some of these things are very serious, they're very acute, they're systematic, very targeted, they feel very painful and very personal. And I want to just remind you, I'm reminding myself, my efforts, your efforts to get a bit revenge, to get justice, it's going to backfire. It will not give you justice. I'm begging you, don't try this on your own. But Jesus can and has and will deliver to us real justice. And it'll be divine justice, right and proper, not my opinion, but God's opinion. It'll be universal. There won't be some people that can avoid it. There won't be the rich and powerful and the well-off. No, no, everybody can be just to get this justice. It'll be legitimate. It'll be solid and real. It won't be the, some empty promise. It'll be real justice, and it will be assured. It won't be as fast as you want it. It won't be as, as quick as you want it. It won't be on the timetable you want it. And the obstacles may seem like they're getting all over the place, but I want you to know it will happen. If you will trust your situation, to the Lord God Almighty, He will bring this justice. I'm inviting you to come on down to pray. In fact, why don't y'all go ahead and stand? If I don't land this plane sometime, it won't ever land, so I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to invite y'all to come on down and pray. She's going to play the piano, just do some songs for a few minutes. We'll play through at least one verse. 
some of y'all need to come and just throw your injustice on the shoulders of Jesus and say, it, it hurts too bad. I can't do it anymore. Y'all want to come and ask him to take it from you. Some of y'all are going to have to come and ask God to help you forgive some people. Some of y'all are going to have to come and say, Lord, I deserve your wrath. Would you forgive me? But I want you to come and find justice in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I want you to come.